You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. The last chapter, some of you are going, I can't believe we've made it that far. Uh, the last chapter of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, we have been uh, working our way through the gospel on the ground. And for those of you that maybe are just joining us, um, or maybe you haven't been here in a few weeks, uh, what that is, is we're taking high and lofty gospel truths from the first three chapters of Ephesians, and we are bring them, bringing them down to ground level to see their practical value in our lives every day. And as I've said to you, I think probably every week, just because we come to faith in Jesus through the gospel does not mean that we jettison the gospel once we become, once we begin to grow in Jesus. In fact, the gospel gets more interwoven into our lives. And the more we live our lives as Christians, the more we discover that the gospel changes everything about us, not just our eternal destiny. And one of those areas that we've looked at very closely over the last couple of weeks and maybe very convictingly is the home and how husbands are to love their wives and how wives are to respond to submit to the leadership of their husbands as to the Lord, the gospel in the family. And there have been some very hard things. Uh, somebody said to me this morning that uh, that we Um, You said, Pastor, whenever we left last week that we're probably going to go home and fight. And, you know, we hadn't fought in weeks, but we did yet last week. And it's all your fault. Um, But uh, no, really, it's it is a challenge. It's a war, isn't it? For us to go to war, to have the gospel at the center of our homes. It's not something that just happens by default. We are by nature different people. And so to be the husband that God has called you to be and to be the wife that God has called you to be and to have a marriage that God wants you to have is not an easy road to walk, but it is a fruitful road. It is a a road to the glory of God and to the good of our marriage and the good of our lives. And so as we follow Jesus, walk the hard road because God will bless your effort in one way or another. And so we turn now our attention to children and parenting and what that looks like. Now, if you are like most parents, we've heard this all of our lives. Our kids did not come with an instruction manual. How many of you know that? Yeah, it's tough to raise children, isn't it? Um, Some days it's a piece of cake. The next day they wake up on the wrong side of the bed and the whole day is just ruined. And, you know, it's just tough and And sometimes it's not days, sometimes it's seasons, right? Where it's difficult for us to be parents and to raise our children. And sometimes those seasons are problems with our children. But let's be honest, parents, some of those seasons are us. 
And we aren't doing the right things in how we raise our children. And our, our children have to be the, the gracious and patient ones. But the Bible addresses all of those things. We, we tend to have all kinds of remedies for parenting. And you could buy parenting books or you could resort to those phrases that we like to say. You know, I brought you in this world. I can take you out of it. You can resort to those kinds of things, right? Or you could go to God's Word, the one who formed your children before you ever knew they were there. The one who knew their name, the one who purposed in their life His glory, and you could ask Him, the one who gave them to you as a heritage, and you could ask Him, what does it look like to be a godly dad, a godly uh, mom? What does it look like to be a godly son or a godly daughter? And that's what Ephesians instructs us in this morning. How to have the Gospel in the center of our parenting. Now, I want to encourage you in one way just before we dive in. And that is for those of you that maybe have had children and have, they're raised and they're, they're gone out on their own, they're adult children. Or maybe, maybe some of you don't have children. Maybe some of you have estranged children and you, you're going to struggle this morning with how this maybe applies to you. You may, you may struggle with some of the, the choices that you've made in the past and some of the mistakes that you've made. And I want to just encourage you this morning that this text meets every person in this room primarily not in the way that we are fathers or mothers or the way that we are children of our earthly fathers or mothers. But at the end of the day, this text meets us where God is our heavenly father and he is a good, good father this morning. And so know this, whatever mistakes you have made and whatever way that you struggle with applying this text to yourself and your life this morning, that our God is a faithful heavenly father who loves you. And with that, especially if you've raised children, that it will take the entire body of Christ to right the parenting ship that is so wrong in our country, that is capsized and that is sinking fast, if not already, cap- if not already under the water. And on the bottom, God can do a miracle. Amen. Through the gospel. So this morning we go to God's word and we ask the question, what does it look like to have the gospel, the center of our parenting? If you found your place, I want to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Just four verses this morning. Ephesians chapter six. Begin with me in verse one. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Kids say amen right there. Say amen. Amen. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we pray this morning with thankful hearts, recognizing that you are a faithful father who will never leave us or forsake us. Those of us in this room who by faith have trusted in Christ for salvation have become children of God, not by our own doing, but through adoption. And we cry out, Abba, Father. And God, we recognize you as our dad, the one who is forever faithful. 
And so, Lord, where we are faithless this morning, I pray that you would convict us and that you would change us and that you would remind us of the kind of father that you are to us. And may we be obedient children who love you and live for you and honor you because you are worthy. I pray that by extension, children in this room, young Older children would be obedient and honoring in their homes to their moms and their dads. Because you're worthy. You're worthy of their obedience. God, I pray that they would be convicted where there is a child in this room who does not know Jesus and who is acting in ways that are simply their flesh and sinful. I pray, God, that you would convict them of their need for Jesus And that today they would be saved. And I pray for Christian children in this room. Lord, that they would rise up and be committed to obeying you as their father and obeying their parents. Lord, I pray for fathers in this room and mothers who are frustrated, who are at their wits end, who are confused, who don't know what to do. God, that you would quiet their heart, that you would still their minds. That you would convict them where they should be convicted and encourage them where they would be encouraged. And Father, may they live out this morning godly fatherhood and godly motherhood in a way that would honor you with their lives and that would be good for their children that you've given as a precious gift. And I pray for others in this room to know you as the one true God who is a faithful father to know You through Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed for them. I pray for their salvation this day. May they turn to You in faith. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. And so we come to a passage that children uh, in my home hear often. I just want you to know. A reminder to them that it is God's will in their life that they obey their parents to Abby and to Avery and to Andrew. And yes, even to Adam, they hear this passage quoted often, not as a weapon, but as a gentle reminder that God expects their obedience. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The command in the passage to obey. The command to obey is much stronger than the one to wives that says to submit. In fact, as you saw last week, the, the word submit is just even carried in from the, the previous passage. So the kind of obedience that we're talking about is underneath the absolute authority of the parent. Fathers are given as a gift to children, as an authority gift, an authority figure in their life that, that children might completely And absolutely submit their lives to their parents. Kids, this is your role. You have a father and you have a mother that you might submit your life to them. It is an active imperative. Obey your parents. Absolute obedience. And it's hugely important. Because in Paul's writing, he uses a word that he doesn't use often in other ways. He doesn't, he doesn't use this word to talk about human relationships much. In fact, what often is the case is Paul uses this term to reference holy, divine relationships. That we should submit to Christ. We should obey Christ. We're told to obey the gospel. 
We're told to obey the teaching of the apostles, the word of God, the scriptures. We're told to obey these things absolutely. So the obedience that he's talking about for Christian children is the same kind of obedience that we see when we're to obey God. And then he solidifies that not only by the choice of word that he makes, but he solidifies it by the phrase in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's virtually the same thing as wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It's virtually the same phrase. And that is that, that in as much as you obey your parents, you're actually obeying the Lord. And the converse can absolutely or is absolutely true as well. In as much as you disobey your parents, you are in fact disobeying God Himself. That is the call of God's Word. And so you'll notice that it's also given to parents in the same way. And we're going to come back to this here in a few moments. It's given to parents in the same way, kind of a different phrase, but he says to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There is a responsibility to the Lord in your parenting. Now, certainly this would mean that you teach your children the Bible when it comes to the gospel. You teach your children the gospel and and all these first three chapters, it would teach us that we we tell our children, we we teach our children the gospel. and, And so it's to give our children what the Lord has given us. In that instruction. And yet, it's not the only thing that it implies. It implies that the very nature of this is is the fact that being in Christ demands that you be a parent who loves your children. A a father who loves your children. That you be a, a son or a daughter who submits and obeys your parents. To be in Christ means to be an obedient son or daughter. And to be a faithful Father or mother. The two phrases, in the Lord and of the Lord, essentially provide the foundation to the rest of the chapter. It's a gospel thing. It's no different. All of these chapters building into, and so the result of chapters 1 and one through 3 is to be a godly parent or a godly son or daughter. So what is Paul saying to us? You need to hear this this morning. Christian parenting, and I, and I use the word parenting to, to capture both being a parent... And being the one who's led by a parent, so a son or a daughter. The, the whole concept or, or uh, scene of Christian parenting must reflect the relationship between God and His Son in the Gospel. Christian parenting must reflect the relationship between God and His Son in the Gospel. And we've already said amen to this a couple of times this morning. But aren't you glad that God is a faithful Father? Aren't you glad of that this morning? That He never left us? But His faithfulness, listen, was first directed toward His Son and not to us. Because we are not, by nature, the children of God. There is only one Son by blood. And His name is Jesus. For God so loved the world that He sent His what Son? Only begotten Son. Jesus is the only true Son by nature, by blood, by His very essence, by His very character. Jesus is the only true Son of the living God. 
And God the Father, from all eternity past and into all eternity future, will be and has forever been forever faithful to His only Son. He has never failed as a father. That is really good news this morning because we have failed as children. The second half of that is that there is a son that has never failed his dad. A son who was perfectly obedient, perfectly submissive, and has done everything that the Father willed, Jesus has fully accomplished. And so there is a perfect pair this morning to which we look. God the Father loving His Son perfectly, and God the Son submitting to His Father perfectly, and them not not being any lesser than the other, but being in this perfect relationship from all eternity past. And in that, in that... God accomplished the gospel. So this is rooted not in something that we are or are to do ultimately. It's rooted in who God is ultimately. It's the gospel. And so it brings us to really four essential foundational truths. And I want you to get these. Don't miss this because you won't get the first four verses of chapter 6 if you don't get this. What about God do we need to know? Some foundational things built on the fatherhood of God. What does it mean? These two phrases together in the Lord and of the Lord. What does that ultimately mean or foundationally mean? You need to see the perfect love of the father for the son. And by father, I mean God, the father. You need to see his perfect love for his son, Jesus. So there's all kinds of places in scripture we could go. We don't have time to really unpack this this morning. I want to just reference a few for you so you get this picture. The love of the, of the Father for the Son was perfect from all eternity past. Look at, or listen to John 3. We love John 3. We just quoted John 3.16. As you read on in John 3, this is verse 33. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Verse 34, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, He's speaking of himself. Jesus speaking here, speaking of himself. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. And listen to what verse 35 says. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Do you see, do you see all before that statement and all after that statement? It's gospel stuff. Whoever believes on Jesus is saved. God's appointed this, but He's appointed it because of the middle part of that phrase, because He loves His Son. He loves His Son. For whom, or rather, the Father loves the Son has given all things into His hand. All of salvation, all of the world, everything that God has is His. Why? Because of His love for His Son. He is a faithful Father who loves His Son perfectly. Matthew 17, you may remember whenever Jesus was being baptized, whenever He was still speaking, and as John, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, remember the statement, this is My beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. God loves His Son perfectly. Secondly, see the perfect submission of the Son to the Father. So I already said that to you. He's submitting perfectly, but the Bible teaches us this. Philippians 2, verse 8. Being found in human form, He, that is Jesus, humbled Himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He did the will of the Father perfectly, not because He is any lesser than the Father, but because the desire within His heart is to submit to the Father because God has ordered this in Himself, that this would be the way God created and offered salvation to the world. Romans 5.12 contrasts Jesus with Adam. Verse 12 tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For as by the one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. The beauty of Christ's submission is that we, all like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us have sinned. Every one of us runs from God by nature. But because of the full and perfect obedience of Jesus Christ on the cross, we have the opportunity through faith in Jesus Christ to be saved and to be made sons and daughters of the living God. Which leads me to number three. Third foundational. See the beauty of the Father's adoption in the Gospel. (laughs) What we are not by, by, by nature, we become by faith in Christ. By the act of God in our lives. And we've already seen this. Ephesians 2.1 describes who we are before we come to faith in Christ. He says you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. Now watch this. The spirit that is now work in what? Now at work in what? The sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That's who we were by nature. But John 3, or rather uh, Romans 8 teaches us that we can become the children of God. We become the children of God by faith in Jesus. And we actually cry out to God, Abba, Father, because the spirit of adoption God invites us to be a part of His family by faith. We're called sons of the living God and daughters of the living God because of faith in Jesus Christ. It's not anything that you and I did, but it is the free choice of the Father to do that. It's an amazing thing. The beauty of adoption. You get to become something that you were not by nature. And then, then, see the command of God's children to obey Him. So you've got to see that. If you're going to understand these four verses. We are commanded to obey God. So 1 Peter 1 and verse 4, As obedient children, he says, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, who is the one that calls? God calls. He called us. He's holy. And therefore, He says that we should be holy in all of our conduct since it is written, You shall be holy for I am holy. Verse 17, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. And he goes on to talk about how we should be pure and holy and obedient children to our father. That's the command of Scripture. So we have a perfect father who loved his son perfectly. We have a faithful son who submitted to the father perfectly. We have the right to become children of God because we've believed on his name. We've put our faith in him. And therefore, because we're children of God, we now must be obedient to the father, our heavenly father. That's the foundation 
upon which, upon which he writes verses 1 through 4. In the Lord of the Lord. So what does this mean? Christian parenting must reflect the relationship between God and His Son in the Gospel. What does that even mean? It means that in the Gospel, parents and children have the perfection of God as their standard and the provision of God as their help. Amen. That's good preaching right there. It means that parents, parents, we have, and children, you have the standard of a perfect and holy and righteous God as your standard. He's forever faithful and a perfect Father. And when you fail, when you don't have the answers, and when you don't know what to do, and you're at your wit's end, and when you don't feel like obeying anymore, and today you just want to do what you want to do, and mom and dad are mean and they're unfair, it means that you have the provision of God as your help. Oh, it's so good. So how do we do this? Parents loving our children like the father loves his son. Children, how do you obey your parents as the son obeyed the father? If you're a parent, you know that there are most days, many days, where it's more like a circus than like this passage. I mean, if, you, if you're honest, you know. You know that. And, and to be honest, you, you, you wish, you hope that the, that the preacher's not around or nobody at church is seeing you. And when you get to the school line, everybody just kind of clams up because you don't want the teachers to hear you or anything. And it's, it, we're messy. Families are messy. Praise God, He gave us really simple instructions. And that's the thing. Is, is this, is, this is not complex in understanding it. The problem is that it's hard to do. And we don't do it. And when we don't do it, we mess everything up. So I want to just call you to two very simple things that we see in the passage. They're, they're really simple. What does it look like for children? And it begins there. And kids, I want you to come in really close. Don't move out of your seats. But I want you to come in really close and hear this this morning. Hear the Word of God to you. Kids, you listening to me? Every one of you. The Bible says to you this morning, children, obey your parents as you would your heavenly father. Obey your mom and dad just like you would your heavenly dad. Now, we've already seen it is wrong to disobey our heavenly father. Kids, would you agree with that? It's wrong to disobey God. It's wrong. You learned that in Sunday school, right? Everybody raise your hand that you're hearing me right now. Yeah. It's wrong. It is the same. Listen, listen. It is the same level of wrong for you to disobey mom or dad. It's not the cool thing. It's not a funny thing. It's not a convenient thing so you get your way. It is sin before a holy God for you to disobey your parents. This is what the Bible calls us to. Obey your parents in the Lord. So, if you know Jesus this morning as a child, if you know Jesus, it means what we just sang about, I am a child of God. Amen? Amen? 
You're also a child of your parents. And God has called you to obey them. And it's not just a benefit to celebrate when we sing it. I am a child of God. It's not just a benefit about being a child of God. It's actually a high responsibility. It's not just a cultural thing. It's not the cool thing not to. It's a matter of responsibility. And children, by the way, kids don't miss this. I want you to hear it. Inasmuch as a wife was addressed and as a husband was addressed, kids, listen to me. Children are addressed as responsible members of the church. It's not something that that Paul said, okay, now let me baby you and bring this down to your level, right? Paul said no. He said, wives, submit to your husbands. And husbands, love your wives. And children, you submit to your parents. That's what He called us to. And fathers, love your sons and daughters. It's a responsibility. Children are responsible members of the church. And He roots it. He builds it on the platform, not on some new concept. He builds it on a platform that you should already know about. The Ten Commandments. Kids, you could probably quote most of them, if not all of them. And he says that this is the first commandment with promise. Now, he doesn't mean this is the first commandment. Some of you are going, Paul, no, you're wrong there, buddy. The first commandment, no, have no other gods before me. That's right there at the top. I know those well. He's not saying it's the first commandment. He's saying it's the first commandment with a promise. That there's actually this promise that comes from Exodus 20 and verse 12. We know that Moses wrote Exodus, penned it, but it's the words of the Lord to the nation of Israel when he said, Honor your father and mother. 20 verse 12. Then he says that your days may be long in the land and that your that the Lord your God is giving you that your days may be long. That's the promise. You're going to have a long life. That's because living up to God's standard is the new way for Christian sons and daughters. And by the way, living according to the old way, living according to to disobedience to your mother and father is more evidence that you do not know God than evidence that you do know God. Several places. Romans 1 says that lumping together with murderers and gossips and those who are deceitful and malicious and boastful, in all of that, God puts disobedient to parents. Same thing in 2 Timothy 3, that there's this end kind of life that's going to look bad and people are going to do what they want to do and they're going to live like fleshly people and love money and love self and they're going to be proud and arrogant and abusive and ungrateful and holy and heartless and unappeasable and slanderous and without self-control and all of these things. And you know what he puts in the list? Disobedient to parents. Children, listen to me clearly. You ought to be different than this world around you. If you know Jesus, you ought to be the most obedient kid on the block. Not because you have to, but because you get to, because you know Jesus and you want to honor Jesus and you want to honor the Heavenly Father so you obey your parents. So what does that, what does that look like? What does it look like? Two different things he mentions in the passage and then we'll move on to the promise and then parents, it's our turn. Obey your parents with your actions. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is a conduct thing. This is an outward thing. When your parents say, clean your room, what do you do? 
Come on, that's an easy one. Clean your room. Right? When your parents say, take out the trash, what do you do? Take out the trash. When your parents say, don't go outside of the yard, what do you do? Yeah, this is simple. See, this is easy, right? It's real simple. It's not what we want to do, is it? It's not what we want to do. But we ought to strive to want to obey. So obey your parents with your actions. Because as you do that, you're doing so to the Lord. Here's the harder one. You ready? Honor your parents with your attitude. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Fine. Anybody ever said that? Fine, I'll do it. Okay, Dad. Okay, Mom. But see, when you don't honor your parents, remember, who are you not honoring? The Lord. Not honoring God. Listen to me. Hear this. I know, I know... We, we want to laugh and we, and we want to cut up. And, and Brother Jeremy's funny when he gets up here and carries on and has all these antics, right? But listen, when you dishonor your parents with your attitude, you're dishonoring the Lord. It's sinful before God. And children, you are, if you know Jesus, you are a child of God. Live in a life that is worthy of the gospel, Paul says. Live a life honoring to your parents. And listen to me, kids, if there is one of you in this room who does not know Jesus, you have no hope of living this out. You need Jesus. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. You need to turn your life to Jesus and say, listen, I, I don't know how to not obey my parents or not disobey my parents. I, I know that sin and I need Jesus. I need you to forgive me. Will you save me? And you need to do that today. You need to be saved. There is a promise. And the promise is that there will be a good and long life for you. That's not an absolute thing. I can tell you what is absolute. If you choose to disobey your parents, you will not have a good life. It will not be good. It will not be well with you. And uh, if you're anything like my kids, you'll hear... I brought you into this world, I can take you out of this world. Your life is going to be shortened, right? But no, in reality it can be shortened because you could make some very foolish choices that your parents are far wiser in. And I promise you it's because we've made mistakes and we've learned the hard way. And we're trying to instill in you what God wants for your life, that you would follow it and that you would honor Him all of your days. So your life will be good and long, less stressful, Pleasing to God, wise, safe, you fill in the word, but it might be well with you. All right, parents, it's your turn. Because the way that your children act, in some ways, you and I, my life of my kids, bear as much responsibility as they do. So, in what way is that? Well, parents, Train your children as your heavenly Father trains you. By the way, you don't need a manual for that. Isn't that good news? Because you've already got the character of a loving heavenly Father listed right here for you. Shown through story after story and description after description and command after command. 
You can see how He's faithful to you. Your only responsibility in raising your children is to be to your children as God is to you. Isn't that simple? Train your children just as your Heavenly Father trains you. When we do that, it is of the Lord, which implies it's a stewardship thing. Hey parents, just a newsflash, your kids are not yours first. They are God's first. They've been given to you as a heritage and you lead in their lives as a stewardship from the Lord. And you look to the kind of father that God is to us as his children. And so he addresses fathers, by the way, that supports the structure that says that the husband is the head of the wife or that the the man is the head of the household. You ought to be the primary duty and responsibility of parenting lies on the shoulders of dads. But it does not mean that this is exclusively instructing fathers. You follow that? Your responsibility is to be the head of the household, dads. And what he says to dads and by extension to mothers, by the way, that not being the case has been the destruction of many homes. I want you to know. But the instruction is not restricted. And so to fathers, by extension to mothers, he says to them, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the nurture, the discipline, the instruction of the Lord. I like the ESV translation there. The word is nurture, and it has the idea of nurturing in a loving kind of a way, but it's discipline. It's both and. Mix those two words and you have the idea. So what does it mean? To not provoke your children unto wrath. You have two commands, a negative and a positive. Don't provoke your children unto wrath, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So what does it mean not to provoke your children unto wrath? It means, we'll come back to it in a second, but it means that you don't mess up doing the next two things that he's describing. To not do the next thing is to provoke them unto wrath. So what is it that fathers should do? Godly fathers, that is. Number one, godly fathers instruct their children. Godly fathers instruct their children. He says, bring them up, train them, raise them in the discipline of the Lord and the instruction of the Lord. We're going to take the second one first. You instruct them. Sometimes that is a... Here's what you need to do. Sometimes that is a correction. That's not what you should have done. But it is a verbal teaching and a life example modeling toward your children so that they know how they're to live their lives. And our instruction comes from where? God's Word. If you're going to instruct your children... Fathers and mothers, you must be men and women of the Bible. And you teach them the Bible. It is a sad thing when the only biblical instruction a child receives is in their Sunday school classroom. It is a sad thing whenever the only biblical instruction a child receives is when they go to youth group on Wednesday nights or when they come to church on Sunday mornings or when they go to school, maybe even hearing from a godly teacher. Parents, you ought to be the primary instructors in your home. Teaching your children to follow Jesus. Fathers, if you're not doing that, now's the time to start. 
Mothers, if you're not doing that, now is the time to start. And you do not have to know all kinds of information about the Bible. Just simply begin to read the Bible with your kids and teach them how to live it. Something we practice in our home regularly. How do we live out the Bible? Secondly, godly fathers must discipline their children. You may have heard it said, he who spares the rod spoils the child. You ever heard that? Where do you think that comes from? Here's a hint. That's not what the Bible says. Threw a curveball for you, didn't I? No, the Bible actually says it a little stronger. Here's what the Bible actually says. Proverbs 13 and verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Well, I just, you know, I don't want to hurt my kids' feelings. And I... The Bible says that you hate them if you don't discipline them. To avoid discipline in the lives of your children is to not demonstrate love. It's actually to do quite the opposite. But if you love them, you're going to discipline. Why do we know that? Well, Hebrews tells us, and we don't have time to read all of this this morning, but Hebrews 12 says that God disciplines those whom He loves and and that we're sons of God. And it's not pleasant in the moment, no. But it produces good things in their life. And in our life, God disciplines us because He's a faithful Father. How many of you have ever been disciplined by the Lord? And you know it. Getting you right back on the right path you should be on. Why in the world wouldn't we discipline our children? You ought to discipline them. It is a loving, controlled, reasonable, intentional kind of discipline that intends to produce obedience, not to mistreat, not to cause shame, but to be gracious and to lead them to repentance. So this this is the kind of discipline that the Father, all all the ways that the Father disciplines us, we ought to be disciplining our children. So then the question becomes, what does it mean not to provoke your children unto anger? Well, it means to not give them instruction or to not give them discipline. And there's so many cases in our world today where either parents are really good at giving instructions with very little discipline. Or parents are really bad at giving discipline or rather really good at giving discipline with very little instruction. And so we start seeing this kind of severe discipline that creeps up or harsh demands, this kind of instruction or abuse of authority or kind of this arbitrary nature that you just kind of expect the kid to do the right thing and and they don't know what to do and, and then you discipline them when they don't do it. See, the problem is when you give your child no instruction and you're constantly correcting them and constantly giving them negative reinforcement, what ends up happening is you provoke them to anger. They're frustrated. They don't even know how to please you. And God has not done that to us. God has given us clear instructions on what it means to please Him. Has He not? Instruct your children and be intentional about that. On the other side of it, you give your children all kind of instruction and you give very little discipline. That's more the case in our world right now. Tell your kids what to do but never actually enforce doing it and I promise you, you will have rebellious kids on your hands in short order. And they will be angry and frustrated when you finally, when you finally blow your top and can't deal with it anymore. Part of, what's deal, part of what is, has contributed to this kind of parenting in our world is we're distracted. We're distracted. We're just simply inattentive. 
We don't know when our kids are doing right and wrong because our faces are too stuck in our phones. And I'm just being real with you this morning. We need, we need to be attentive, intentional parents. And I'm just as guilty as anybody. Because our Father has eyes that are always on us. And He's always loving. And He's always leading. And He's always instructing and disciplining. And so you do as the Father does with you. Parents should be kind and loving, but firm in their authority. So, I don't know what category you find yourself in as a parent this morning. I don't know what ways you may have messed up this week. But I do know this. That as a child of God, even you as a parent, have to go before Him and ask Him to forgive you and to set you on the right path. And I want to invite you to do that this morning. I want to invite you to come to this altar and bow your knees humbly before your Father and to say as a son or daughter of the living God, I submit my life to you today. And I want to do and be who you've called me to be as a dad or as a mom. Maybe some of you in this room, your your kids... You've been disobedient, maybe even today, or maybe a lot lately. And some of you would say this morning, I I just want to obey my mom or dad, and I, I need God to forgive me. You don't need to tell that to the pastor. You need to bow your knees before the Lord, just as a responsible church member would do. And you need to ask Him yourself, because He hears you. The Bible says if we confess our sin, That He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe this morning you need to ask your mom or dad to forgive you. Whatever the case is, you need to respond in obedience to Him. Some of you in this room are in that category of disobedient, insolent, and rebellious, and slanderous. You don't know Christ. And today you've heard the call of the Gospel and a loving Father who gave His Son for you. And today you want to be saved. In just a few moments, when we stand together, I want to invite you to step out of your place where you'll be standing and come down this aisle and say, Pastor, today, today I need to be saved. Will you help me? And I'll help you. You just got to submit your life to Him. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed all across the room, I want to invite you to come. In just a few moments, when we stand together, this is our time of invitation, our time to respond to the Lord and obey Him as our Father. And so I want to invite you to do that all across the room. Let's stand together and I'm going to pray and you come. Lord, have your way in our hearts and in this place. And I pray that you would be glorified by your children being obedient to you through your word. And I ask it in Jesus name. Amen. As the music begins to play, you come this morning. The altar is open.
The altar's open. You come this morning. You know, I was just standing here thinking, the Lord speaking. It really stinks when it doesn't work out the way you think it should work out, doesn't it? And in all of these things, marriage, parenting, family, it's messy, y'all. It's messy. And sometimes... You, you just have to rest in the grace of God and know that He is going to do what is best and what is wise and what is good. And I, y'all, I, just as your pastor, I have been burdened over the last three weeks for families in this body and just burdened that God would do the impossible. I, I was just reminded that Honoring your father and mother is not the only commandment with promise, is it? Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's not an absolute. But more often than not, it is absolutely true. That our children come back. And I want to just encourage you. I don't know where you're at in your marriage, in your parenting, in your home. But you keep being faithful now. And God will bless that. It may not happen tomorrow. It may not happen five years from now, ten years from now. But praise God and Brother Curtis is a living testimony. He'll share this story with you ten times over. All the mistakes that he made in his life. And yet God was faithful to bring his son to Jesus. Right there to that glass. I'm looking eyeball to eyeball with him. God brought His Son to Jesus Christ late in His life just before He died. And I praise God for that moment. And you don't know. You don't know what your prayers and what your efforts are doing. Mamas and daddies of little children, keep being faithful. Keep being faithful. Because all of the tears will be worth it one day. I promise you. I promise you. Can we pray together? Can we close together in prayer? I want to pray specifically this morning over families. And I just believe that God, um, that God wants to see the health of our families. Can we do something we don't normally do? Can we join hands? Would that be okay? Would that be okay? Uh, all across the aisle. And, and this is the body of Christ where brothers and sisters in Christ, we are 
sons and daughters of God. And I want to pray for our physical, earthly families. Let's do that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. Gina has her grandmother at home, at Gina's home. Okay. And uh, she's about to pass away. Gina took her out of the nursing home, and Diane is staying up there with her. And they're just, they just have so much they're going through right now. And Gina would love, Gina loves the church. She loves everybody here. Yeah. And um, she really needs our prayers right now. Okay. Anybody else say, hey, you know, I may or may not be willing to share the story, but I got something in my life I want you to pray for me about. Would you just, if that's you, would you just lift a hand real quick? I know I told you to hold hands, and that's confusing, but anyway, okay. All right. All right, good. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We praise you for your goodness. God, I thank you for these children and for their love for Jesus. I pray, God, that you would help them where they are weak to obey you because you are worthy. I pray for their parents, God, that you would give them grace um, to serve you as they're faithful to their children, to teach and to discipline them. Lord, we know that discipline is not pleasant in the moment, but it is profitable in the long run. And so we trust in you and we want to obey you. Make us good fathers and mothers. I pray that, God, where there are Marriages that are hurting in this room where there are families, fathers, mothers who are hurting, God, where there are children who are hurting and where there is brokenness. Lord, I pray for healing. Lord, we know that doesn't come overnight and sometimes it may get worse. But God, we pray anyway that you would heal these families and that you would bind up what is broken. God, that you would convict where conviction needs to come and that you would turn people around who are running in rebellion. I I pray, God, for children who are estranged from you and their, their parents. I pray, God, that you would convict their hearts and lead them to repentance by your loving kindness as your word says that you do. And I pray for homes that are dealing with with Um, sick loved ones and and other things, God, like Gina and her family. I, I pray, God, for these burdens that you would make them light. God, that they would be able to cast their burden upon you because your burden is light and your yoke is easy. I pray for comfort and peace. And Lord, I pray that you would make us the kind of people in our homes that the gospel would just simply ooze out from all that we are. And God, we want to be patient and we want to wait on your timing. God, help us to be faithful in this season. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.